1: hello and welcome to the hello voice and di- welcome
0: to voice direction. noise direction We've, podcast
1: uh we, we we had a we had a heart to heart I'm we're, your we're host. changing things i'm matt bacon <laughs> i'm scotty heath we're your co-host he's also known as scotty tank crimes uh, Just, if you got this far uh, in the show yes. and like still haven't figured out who each of us is um
0: if you if, if you're from two th- if you're from Y2K, it's Scotty Karate. So it's Y221 now. Whew. That's a long time. It's a long time to do this.
1: Yeah. Man, 20 like, years I is like a long time to reached, do this. Uh, I finally reached the age where like uh, this band Kriegstittern, who like I was a fan of when I was in high school, and they were like just starting out, they like got a box set recently, and I was like, what the fuck? Like I'm old enough that like bands who were starting when I was in high school now get box sets that's upsetting
0: there see there you are Fucking... and you're still a young young man matthew
1: i know but it's like seen eldership it's a, elder a, a, a sprite
0: fast. a sprite we discussed well we persist punk ears are like dog ears. We, yeah. we just we just we had pre-taping we discussed this a little bit so that makes me like a hundred And then the other thing about old punks is you either disappear or, you know, worst case, you die off. But oftentimes you just disappear. But uh, the punks that stick around really look good for their age. A lot of old punks really probably get that a lot. Oh, shit. I didn't know you were 100 years old. You look no older than 70.
1: (laughs) John Joseph is 58 and looks no older than 45. Like, like you'd be a rough 45.
0: Comparing a triathlete influencer to just sure. your average fifty-five-year-old sure, sure. punk,
1: <laughs> John Joseph is a little um, different.
0: Uh, you know, libertarianism aside. So I didn't want to. Po- I was feeling burnt out on the podcast. Loyal listeners. Uh, I had a heart I called Maddie this morning and had a heart to heart that man I don't my I my heart hasn't been in the last couple episodes and a lot of us are fly off the cuff stuff is great but I, I felt like I don't know and this is not an affront to Maddie who obviously I love what he does and that's why we do this podcast together but I never really wanted to do thirty minute bacon bits, and Matty already has his own thing with bacon bits, and I know you guys love them. I watch every goddamn one of them, even the, even when he repeats himself. But I never wanted this podcast to be like a long, a thirty minute bacon bit with a co-host, you know. And I don't think we started off that way, but I think you know, and maybe just me not being as creative with ideas. And, and really I've said this before, is that Maddie's really the producer of this podcast. And maybe I just wait till he sends me a zoom link to even think about the podcast. And I don't want to do that. And also, um, the weekly podcast I like, cause it keeps everyone engaged, but it's difficult for me to keep hyping it every week. You know, Maddie, it, it's part of Maddie's schedule to like have something to hype every morning when he wakes up every afternoon after he eats lunch after he takes his afternoon nap, after he smokes two cigars, that's his wiring. He's great. Is that how much you think I smoke? <laughs> two, two cigars. I smoke two cigars and I smoke two cigars and then I smoke two more. So... I don't I just I guess there's not really a story there. But then me and Maddie, as I as friends, just had ended up chatting for the last hour. And I said, well, fuck it. Hit record, bro. <laughs> Let's do this podcast. I'm back in the game. I'm back in the game. But
1: the idea was early on, a lot of you guys really loved the more like conversational aspects and like the storytelling and the like We got stuff. a lot
0: of great comments about that, and we promised not to get away from it. And I and think we in did. the not- in the not planning the topics. And like I said, it wasn't, when I say Maddie, what's the topic? I mean, you know, he, he's a good, he's good at what he does. I mean, when we pick a topic, sometimes we're like looking at the metrics of the last 10 bacon bits and stuff like that, you know, which is really like another thing I'd lean back on Maddie to do for the podcast is bring us that. But, but I, we did get away from some of the stories and stuff like that. And I don't want to, um, and I always promised you guys that I have none of the answers. I just have a lot of ideas and, and, and the ideas go with the stories. And I think what actually makes my advice more palatable is when we talk about some of my experience that I think is why I feel comfortable giving that advice. And all that experience is literally getting in the van or putting up my own money to, to, to put out a record and stuff like that. And so, and a lot of the stories go in that and just the way music has influenced my life into being this old punk, you know, and what came along the way. So, um, all that said, Maddie was like, dude, why don't I just hit record? And we just talk about music for a little bit. We're only episodes or 30 minutes. We could just have a quick conversation about some other stuff and, and see how people like it. And, uh, Honestly, I, I, that really just kind of warmed my heart. And I was like, yeah, you're right. This is exactly why we do this and what it means. And Maddie reminding me that, you know, there's a handful of you guys, we hear from every single week with your feedback, which I appreciate the hell out of. And then when we get a new person or a, a random, a random comment about it, or somebody hits me up in a, if I actually see your DM, out of my request folder in Instagram, which is a fucking nightmare. I goddamn love it. It's, it's perfect. It brings us back. And I want everyone to succeed and follow your dreams and do it with all the love in your heart and integrity, which is a virtue that you grow and work towards like happiness. So Whoo, that was my intro, and I'm back. I'm on fire, baby. These are morsels. Put so them to, in your brain. Put so, your today, on, B. I'm in there whispering to you,
1: do it. T- today, we are going to talk about Catch 22. Uh, we want to talk about a song Scott. that was stuck
0: in Maddie's head that he couldn't tell me what it was.
1: Yes, I had it stuck in my head for weeks, and I sang it to Scotty, okay? And he didn't hear but it. He you, was, I he, think
0: you just, you were trying to sing me like the horn part. Or
1: something No, I was trying to sing you the The my, my, my Da-da-da-da-da da 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 But
0: because I didn't know the words When they come for me I'll be sitting on my desk Yes, but I sang you that part And this is how you do it You go
1: People listening can hear you.
0: Can they hear? I don't. I just nailed it, dude. Like, hey, homeboy from Streetlight Manifesto. Like, if y'all need a whistler, hit me up. I know all the songs off your albums. That goes for everybody. Less than Jake, you need a whistler. Against All Authority, you need a whistler. Can you imagine how sick that would be? Call me up, like. Can you imagine? I just want you to imagine
1: this, okay? So you know, like when like some dude from the crowd takes the mic from the hardcore vocalist and just nails a verse
0: yeah that's how i got my that's how i got the gig in journey
1: yes so i think it would be really funny if you got up and grabbed a mic from catch from 22
0: from the trombone player
1: just <laughs> nailed it whistling. can you even imagine how everyone's minds would be blown
0: yeah, I mean, well, maybe I could, maybe I could get, maybe I could get in their ear before the set and get in. That's why, that's why I do this podcast to get a good whistling job. I mean, come on, somebody from like, Catch Twenty Two is watching this.
1: We, we are
0: the official podcast of Mustard Plug. Oh, that's right, we're the official <laughs> podcast of Mustard Plug, whose whose greatest song is named after the greatest beverage, beer, even though the band is named after the greatest condiment mustard
1: see i was i thought when you said that their greatest song was named after the greatest beverage i thought they had a song called bubble tea i'd never heard no oh my god i'm like the most fucking brooklyn fucking hipster ever
0: is that is bubble tea big out there i mean i fucking spent 10 years in san francisco and uh my neighborhood where we lived the uh sunset district probably had more bubble tea per capita than uh, just about any place in the United States, I would guess.
1: That's my dream, man. I'm like a bubble tea fucking hound. Um, but all this to be, all this being said, so what I want, Mister Sm-
0: Smiley's a really good song by Mustard Plug. Thigh high nylons, ooch, sh- Bobby socks, no. Thigh high nylons is sick. Mister Smiley murdered people, but he got a fun name. Who'd have thought? Who knew?
1: <laughs> so okay, so we're gonna talk about was catch 22. Catch 22. Okay. Be nice. I want to
0: tell you I want to tell you my experience from the ground when that record came out. Yeah. There was a now, good story here. Now, in the 90s, uh k- singles weren't just sold at the mall out from the single, there was also a thing called snippet tapes. These were big in hip hop, but they were also big in other genres of music. It would be like a k- single in one of those O cards and it might have like one full song. And then it would have like 30 seconds of like four other songs, the snippets of the song. So that was the snippet tape. Um, Early on in my um, band and recording career, we used to uh, go grab a whole box of snippet tapes from like, cause they'd go be at like Amoeba records. Like big labels would just send boxes of them to record stores and they would just be like sitting out for you to grab. And we would grab like whole boxes of them. And that's how I learned how to use a four track was with these snippet tapes just because we had endless tapes to just keep recording and practicing and doing stuff like that. And I think we even did like release some like taped over tabbed fucking demos and stuff of that over the time. But this isn't about the history of the snippet tape. It's about catch 22. And so not a lot of ska bands had snippet tapes and promos. I mean, around this time, and I don't know. I'm guessing this is like 1995 or 96, 97 at the latest for Keys to Be Nights. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, um, look it up you right know, now. Hell, Hellcat Records was doing tons of promo, right? Like, my small town had one high school but three record stores. Keys Be Nights so, is 98. Oh, 98. Wow. So, okay. So, this – because I'm picturing it in Michigan. but So, that, that came out this summer. I went – I moved home from – california to raise more money to come back and move to san francisco so that's how i got the snippet tape 1998 okay because not a lot of oh i was saying like hellcat and epitaph had lots of promo stuff at my record stores but not 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 tapes they had a lot of posters and stuff like that um when catch 22 came out they had a snippet tape i remember putting on the car and it was so good so good america that i was suspect this was on victory records right and it's like i'm not a hard i i went from i i lean on the punk side of hardcore punk that you guys know so a ska, a punk ska band on victory which already at the time had like a a dubious reputation right and it was so good it was so well recorded the horn riffs were so tight it was the vocals were perfect it was so well produced and they had a snippet tape i was suspect of this band being a young you know that's part part of being punk is being suspect of anybody else that claims to be punk we've discussed this before especially at a young age but man it got me, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't deny it, so good. And uh, I'll tell you now, as a grown man who uh, likes to keep his fitness together sometimes, uh, you put on that record and skip rope, baby, oh, you're, you're skanking that jump rope, baby. You're in that jump rope pit. you're double-dudging, bitch.
1: <laughs> so here's a Tony Rummel story. That you would appreciate. Tony Um, Brummel,
0: former owner of Victory Records.
1: Yes. Um, Label Boss
0: Solidarity.
1: My friend Andy Patterson, um, formerly of Inside Out and State of the Nation and Shelter, has told me a few times. He was driving Iceburn, who have a new record coming out. Their first in like 20 years. It's fantastic. And... Iceburn and then Tony Brummel got in the car for whatever reason. They were working with him. And Iceburn found out that he had been making merch without telling them. Like, unapproved designs, right?
0: Bootlegging a band on your own label. This is why why he has that dubious reputation I spoke of.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then they were, like, driving to the office to, like, go figure out what they're going to do. And Tony Brummel is in the fucking ca- uh, co-pilot seat in the 15 passenger with Andy driving. And he's crying. Asking, why will, Why don't they like me?
0: Wait, the label head is crying because the band is mad because he's bootlegging a band that's signed to his label?
1: Yes. And then they got there and I think uh, I probably would have been Gentry. Said they, they see all the all the merch and Gentry says to Andy, take whatever you want.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's where I figured this story was going. So then they take the merch and then just sell it themselves. I guess
1: that's what ended up happening, yeah. But the point being, Tony Brummel, dubious reputation, put out some good records.
0: Um my
1: favorite uh, hard times headline ever is oh no, mom is dating Tony Brummel. <laughs>
0: What's Tony Brenwell's new label called? Um, Inside Out Music is that what? That's what Cro-Mags are on. No, no. Or Har- Harley's Chromeags are on on the new Victory. Inside records. Out is a different label. Okay. What's the? Inside I'm Out just missing. Like, oh mission, oh no, it's mission, like, mission two. Mission, mission two, entertainment. two. Yeah, Entertainment. Yeah, well, that probably goes well. I don't. Who bought? Who bought Victory? The Orchard, or Universal, or somebody? Universal, I think what bands got their stuff what bands got their music back from victory a day to remember is the most famous one they won in court and got their shit back anybody else get their music back i'm not sure that you like, that you like, can think of
1: have it be worth getting your music back is like kind of tricky
0: well the thing is is like that it's like i mean there's a lot of examples that, of labels that operate like this especially from the 90s right you, you give them the rights to everything, right? But they spend, you know, your money, but they spend and spend and spend, and now you have a career, right? You go from a local band to now you're on like Victory or, or Earache or someone. You've, you've given them all the rights to all your music and, and a bunch of merch, but they know they have the capacity and know how to spend your money for you to build a career off that experience. Right. I mean, not a lot of bands re-sign to those labels, but when you're able to get, if you're able to get that music back, I mean, fans usually argue that those are your most desirable records, right? Your first three or something, you know? So, um, I mean, that's just, I I don't know where I'm going here. It's just a cautionary tale or, or I guess, Oh, I guess I was asking who got their stuff back. Because yeah. those records are definitely quite valuable. Any band that just, you know, I mean, how many bands on, the, on Hellfest next year have been on Victory Records? Like 20 of them, you know? it's also because and there's they did. 300
1: bands on Hellfest next year.
0: Yeah, I thought I, I thought I said we weren't doing more than four band shows, but no one told Hellfest after Yeah, i I'm, I'm going to have to
1: be there for that entire thing, and I'm probably going to die. Like, how I don't understand ba- how I'm going to survive.
0: How am I supposed to feel... That they booked 350 bands and none of my bands are on it. <laughs> nah. I know. I'm, I'm not going this you. year. I'm not going next year. We're going I in know. all we're going, we're doing the later summer fest next summer, though. Sure. I just got my tour schedule for next year. It's fucking nutters, dude. I might have to get an assistant. A tour assistant. But yeah. <laughs> Someone who watched movies with my wife a couple nights a week while I'm on the road. <laughs>
1: I was gonna say like an assistant like you could be in the like tour you could be in like the TM room you know how like nice venues have like the TMs office
0: if I could just get somebody to like wind some cords for me and like make sure the batteries in my flashlight are charged
1: I mean I'll just say I remember the one time on a ten year cavalry tour that I had a TM office and I just remember like getting completely destroyed in it with all my friends like I was like oh shit they gave me like
0: a personal room for me to get wasted in sick. Um. What? Uh, oh, I want to get back to what I was saying. Cause I think it was interesting. Uh, a question to the listeners or just like a hypothetical to think about what I wonder. I, and I wonder what, you know, legacy band members that have been on one of like the, the dubious labels of the nineties, but that also made their career. Like, I don't know if you're an unsigned band right now, what would do are those deals still desirable right now? Maddie, do you think where like I mean, the kind of to, to me, they're stuff, desirable. Cause it's like, love, yeah, like, well there's still plenty of labels that want to put you in debt and they don't even work for you.
1: They yeah, just well, the distribute problem.
0: your music, but that's there's the labels problem. like that. Like some of the most infamous ones are the most infamous because they produced the most hits and the most legacy bands and put, Took took young men and women and put them into careers in in extreme music, you know. And that's how a, a lot of them defend a lot of what happened, right? Is a lot of them will be and like, I get that.
1: like maybe I took them for a ride, but also they get to play Hellfest this year and Necrot does not."
0: Yeah, and then you know, and but also that like, here is another thing that came out of that is that like then there was like labels newer labels that spawned after that like by musicians that like didn't do that like i think fat records is a great example of ma- giving bands careers without signing you to a seven record deal where we own everything for 35 years or something you know or oh, like totally yeah like there's definitely people who did a better job But I'll tell you the way that those, you know, so I guess that's the thing right now. It's like, I just am not sure who's still going to put the time and energy into your band. So like we talked about this before, like you asked me a question, like when we were doing one of the episodes about like a label expectations and you were like, what would you say to a band that was like, blow me up, you know, or like make us famous or whatever. And I think my answer was. I think I couldn't think of exactly what to say at first because it was such a weird question I've never heard, but that like you hear all the time. And like my answer would have been like, I'm not gonna do that. Like we might do that together, but I'm not doing that, you know, or I'll give you the tools to do it, but it's a lot more your work than my work, you know? But it's like, I mean, I think that Eric still does that, but just with a just with a different genre of music, you know. They've certainly yeah. taken some bands that I've never okay. even listened to, but I know who they are, who have gone right. really far. And Rival I know sons. the way that they that they operate and what they really do is just, I mean, they'll put their public they'll put their publicists on tour with you. You know, I mean, that's a lot of bands don't get that kind of attention from their label. Um you know and i i respect that because i nothing makes me feel better than being able to help a band you know not have to have another job besides playing in a band you know which i've i've kind of done with one band you know so yeah. but i don't know man i th- you know i think in hindsight a lot of those um bands are like happy for it but maybe they're I guess it depends on if you have animosity towards the personalities that run the label still or something like that you know because there's like a lot of hard working staff behind like the the label heads you know that are making making shit happen so that's the, that so that's the flip side of the coin of, of right now is well fuck with band camp and a cassette and a in a fucking the, the uh, phone in your pocket, which is just like <clears throat> a megaphone to the world. If you know how to use it properly and you have the right message for, for the people, uh, where do you go? Where's the healthy medium? You well, know, so what? Can, what is that? What you... are the wants and desires of bands? Let
1: me tell you what I, I was talking to a couple people, people um, the other day about Capra.
0: Yeah. Okay. So okay. Capra, cause Capra had like cap, how, what was Capra's audience? Like, to when you like first started, they, they were literally
1: up. like, like they were literally an unsigned band in. Uh, okay, so, so, okay, so let's start. And
0: let's, they're from the middle okay, of nowhere. Let's, let's provide more contact. We, we got to provide more contact. Okay. Scotty,
1: stop. So, Capra are a band I signed to Blacklight Media, the Metal Blade subsidiary I do with celebrity chef Chris Santos, who I have a podcast with called Delirious Nomads. Okay. Good upsell. And I got you um (laughs) also something very weird just happened to me i'm going to tell you about after the show um but uh so so i i met this band when i actually had kind of known the main dude tyler through the hardcore scene somehow for a few years
0: but they're from like nowhere they're they're from from like
1: they're from from lafayette louisiana so which actually has a surprisingly good scene but like yeah. it's definitely not
0: it's not on the even the national stage yeah really, it's, it's, like, it's like it's like one of those stage. scenes where I like mean, the,
1: it's like one of those scenes where like the regional market is sick like if you like if you know you know type of scenes you know the way yeah yeah i um, got it
0: and i'm sure bands that like hit every market like Black Dahlia Murder probably plays there once a, or once every two years or something.
1: Yeah. Like, like a band you know, that hits
0: every single town.
1: There's a, there's markets like that throughout America where it's like, if you know, you know, Lawrence, Kansas is another great example of like, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? There's good bands in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. Motherfucker. There's a lot of good bands in Lawrence, Kansas.
0: Stinking um, Lincoln, Nebraska, baby. Another great one. Yeah. yeah there's a lot, but, but at least know, so, those two towns are like on the 80s. So it's like, they get a lot of, yeah. But uh, they but, get but a rega- lot of regardless, regional tra- rega- or, uh, regardless,
1: regardless, regardless. Okay
0: irregardless Go they on. weren't very known okay <laughs> no so, not at all you know like i mean at I, all. I think it's fair to say they were like unknown and then they signed to metal blade yeah. like outside of regionally right
1: yeah and and this is the thing right is like i don't think they'd ever even played out of state you know but here's the thing about them that i was telling um i'm gonna do a major name drop here i was at a party the other night with um brian slagle and we were talking about them. Brian Slagle, owner, of metal blade, discoverer of Metallica. Friend. Where were you in New in New York? In New York, yeah, Chris's birthday party.
0: Oh, and, got it. yeah, that checks um,
1: out. And we were talking about them, and I was like, "Look, here's the thing that's sick about Capra, is that normally I go to a band, and this is in general. This is not me trying to talk shit on Blacklight Media. I think they have a lot of great bands. Actually, I just talk. I'm just talking bands in general, right?" I go to a band and I say, hi, here are six really cool ideas. And the band does half of one. Capra, I go, hi, here are six really cool ideas. And they do four.
0: Yeah, no, those are good. That's a good return on your advice. You you know what I mean? I know that that as someone who's used to getting that half reply also, even from some of my best friends.
1: uh, Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, right? So the fact that Capra... Has always been willing to be like, okay, so you think we should do this, 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 and this? Okay, well, we think those first three things are cool for us, so we'll do. Do that. you think
0: that some good? of that? Do you think some of that attitude, that that attitude, that's a positive to you, might come from them from being from such a smaller scene? Um, yeah, even I just think- the ability to take more outside advice than than a band who might think they know it all because they like are crushing it in an A market, even though they haven't been out of town.
1: I think that's part of it. I think they also have um you know when like scene dudes get sober and then they turn into goddamn monsters like they just get so good at what like Gate They get Creeper. so good.
0: yeah, that's me for 90 days a year when I'm sober. I do that's when I do all my good work and then the like, ra- then I just coast on that the rest of the year.
1: Like Gate Creeper, perfect example of this, right? Like this these are guys who were addicts until like 5 years ago and then they stopped. They took all that addict energy and into- They got
0: addicted to to a band which yeah. is a great place to put that energy
1: 100 percent. you know like no uh you know no shame you know uh yeah
0: I've, no not at all
1: you know struggled with a lot of that stuff um you know whatever but um regardless like it's like i think that's a part of it but i just want to break that down for people is that like I don't even know why we start. How did we start talking about Capra? <laughs> uh,
0: we were talking about Catch Twenty Two, and I was I was I was actually you were whistling for, for a mustard plug.
1: Um. Okay. No. But basically, what I'm trying to say like what is, bands want, oh what yeah, yeah. Bands okay. Want. Yeah. So yeah, and so this is the thing, right? It's like, there's a lot of bands who get lost in like the detritus of this whole thing, Ooh. right? Like Ooh, detritus. There's, there's a lot of bands who get forgotten and it's because they got signed to the label and then never fucking did anything. And the label, like I, as you know, I have so many hours I can dedicate to Blacklight media in a given week, you know, not just yeah. because of what, what they pay me, but just because of all the other stuff I'm involved in, you know, and but, it's know like the, the and, but it's like this, the squeaky wheel gets
0: the grease, right? Yeah, the people but who, you, hustle... Unless you're already making money for someone, you can't just be an annoying squeaky wheel. The way you squeak is by following the plan. And yeah,
1: and so so when I see Capra hustling and I see them, you know, doing whatever dumb bullshit I told them to do that week and doing it well, you know, and Brian Slagle telling me Capra are really good at social media, me being like, Oh my god, I talked about you social media. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like I legit almost cried when he was saying nice things to me about Capra. Um but uh yeah, like but that's what happens, right? So you have to think about it from the label guy's perspective, right? Because like at the end of the day, that guy is like, for me, I'm getting paid. <clears throat> but on some level, I have to want to do this project.
0: Yeah. And the band can make you want to do it by, by yeah. doing things. Like I mean, we talked about this before. Nothing better than, than working with a band that says yes to everything. Yeah, like that's, It just you know, makes like your job easier.
1: Is, like, I look at, like, when I do... Every day, I probably do... We gotta wrap this podcast up. Um, every day, I no, probably do... No, it's too do, good, dude. It's too good. This podcast is never gonna end. I do, like, three... <laughs> two. I do, like, two or three hours of ads, and I, like, look at, like, how I prioritize them, and it's always, like, what do I do first? It's almost always, like... Uh, I love doing, like, the 80s pop bands I do. Like, I do Flock of Seagulls and Men at Work and stuff. <laughs> like that's the most fun ever is just like sitting there being like, how am I going to sell some men at work shirts today? <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah, you know? but that's also a way different piece. Like I always like, yeah. I always joke, like if things are like a little quiet around fucking tank crimes, I just have to post something about dystopia because that's like the red exactly. meat for my base but, like, to like yeah, rattle like... the can and get some excitement going. Yeah, and they I don't have to do, do, do everything. They'll never play a show. They'll never make another song. They'll never do anything, but that's, they they already have that excitement now a new band does not have that freedom to do nothing and 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 have somebody else want to do it for you yeah i mean with that yeah. like you're a great service to that band because they're like signing to chris santos's label so it's like, okay, well, this guy is going to be too busy to hold us hand, hold our hands through everything. And then you're like, we're on Metal Blade, but it's a subsidiary. But I mean, that, you know, like, or like, I mean, does the regular just Metal Blade staff, like just coordinate yeah. all the stuff? Are yeah. those the production like, managers? Like, and like she Steph- to?
1: Stephanie was the production manager and she's also the production manager on Cannibal Corpse.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they just, they don't really, inside the offices, it's a Metal Blade release, right?
1: yeah got it but again like it's all about just like are you the band who says yes to things are you the band that people are like stoked to work on because it's like oh we're gonna do this and they're not gonna whine the whole time
0: the other thing is that like if you if you like everything like waxes and wanes and i'm not even talking about your band's popularity i'm also talking about like your own motivation right or or like especially with a band like getting like three to six people all in lockstep right at the, with the same motivation and goals. Right. It's really hard. And, and sometimes, I mean, now that, you know, a lot of the bands I work with, I've worked with for like over a decade and I just have to get used to the ebb and flow of sometimes everyone's really gung ho and for a long time. And sometimes everybody needs to take a step back for a minute. And that's why I need multiple projects to work on. So yeah, I can bounce that's, that's that That's a big part of you know? it. That's
1: like, I routinely think about like, oh, what if I stepped back and only worked on like my big dick shit, and then I'm like, yeah, but oh, then, right. I don't. Well, there's wait something really for
0: satisfying for me to work with different size bands. Yeah, and I'm I'm working on, um, like at. Any, anything that gets added to the roster in the future, like what I'm looking for personally, and I don't know how this would spread uh, or how this would spread across any other label. I'm looking for a new experience personally, right? Like I've worked with this band, I've worked with this band. And when I say this band, I'm not even thinking of a specific band. It's like, I've listened, I've worked with a band with this sound and this capacity and uh, <clears throat> defunct yeah. bands, new bands, active bands, legacy bands. So that's, you know, that's coming from the label side. You just want something new to do. And, um, yeah, and that's a big part of it. And so if your band is taking a breath, though, and this is like what is also like the, the, the rat race of it, I guess. When your band's taking a breath and the people that help you um, start working on something else. Now you need to like kind of like be strategic about when you're ready to re-motivate. Right. Because maybe you don't have everyone's attention. Um, yeah.
1: Anyway, there's a whole extra conversation to be had here, but this has been a very fun episode. That of was Noise fun. Direction. I'm feeling back, dude.
0: Hold Good. on. I want to close out this one. Oh, okay? I, I,
1: I had an idea in, for how I wanted you to close it out, but go ahead.
0: Well, in case they weren't listening at the beginning of the show, but they tuned in late. It's not how podcast like, works, Scotty. I would like to know that's exactly how it works. Okay, I, I would, really, I assure you that it's not how podcasts work. <laughs> I would like to re-audition for Catch-22's reunion, inevitable reunion at uh, Punk Rock Holiday in Slovenia. One of the best festivals in the world. Okay, so how's that song go? Give me back, give that thing a minute. Here it comes.
1: There Call you go. Me. This Call has me. been Tank Link, Link. crime whistling. Lincoln bio, baby. <laughs> we'll sketch you later. I don't think it
0: overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time—a secular religion, if you will with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to
1: Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.